I'm Jay Pitts, a real estate broker, agent, leader, and investor. For the last decade, I've navigated the craziest of real estate markets this country has ever seen, selling over 2,000 homes, moving in and out of markets, always ahead of the curve. And now I'm bringing that perspective to you. This is your resource, and Real Talk About Real Estate starts right now. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Resource Real Talk about real estate. I'm Gabe Pruitt. And I'm Jay Pitts. And as promised a few weeks ago, we have a very exciting guest for you today to talk a little bit more about uh, brokerages and how brokerages can continue to add value as the landscape starts to change. So if you remember from a few episodes past, uh, we talked about how new models of brokerages are starting to threaten the tried and true, perhaps, Uh, And people are having to learn how to adapt and are starting to ask really important questions about where we go from here. So our guest today is somebody who's a top producer out of Florida who is uniquely qualified to talk about, you know, ways you can make your brokerage stand out against your competition. No, absolutely. And, you know, these circumstances are coming home to roost a little bit. Don't forget that the traditional broker, right, the big brand, uh, they, they, they brought this on themselves, okay? So this this shrinking profitability, shrinking margins that are being upended by disruption and, and new models. It's something that's been a long time coming. And, and this is not a novel idea either, Gabe. So these verticals have been adopted by real estate brokers and professionals for a long time. It's just now, though, that they're becoming a bit more crucial, okay, a bit more re- of a requirement, okay, for them to keep doors open. You know, and and I think you hit the nail on the head there. It's all about value. Yeah. Okay, the things that we've talked about, the disruption, the problem, the challenge that we have with some of the disruption is that it's coming in the form of, of a value reduction, in my opinion. So so when you add verticals onto the real estate, you know, residential real estate sales piece, it's crucial that they come with value. Yeah, absolutely. And why don't you introduce just a little bit about who our guest is and why they're somebody that can really speak to this today? Sure, absolutely. And, you know, uh, we, we always try to bring you guests here on Resource that are uniquely qualified to talk about the topic. You uniquely know? qualified. We say that we a lot. We say it a lot. But, but it's, it's true. But it's true, okay? Like, I don't just bring you, you know, every Tom, Dick, and Harry's opinion, right? And so, you know, the guy that we're having on, Joe LoCicero, um, is is a top team leader. He you know has has you know roughly a decade's worth of experience in the residential real estate space, but he also has experience running businesses ancillary to the real estate space. These verticals, quote unquote, that you may be wondering what we mean by that. Um, these vertical business opportunities, these revenue offshoots, right, in the form of ancillary businesses, the services provided. He's run a mortgage company. He's run an insurance company, okay? He's, you know, vetted title opportunities, right? All the while running a real estate company mm-hmm. and, and producing at a high level and providing huge value to his agents, his team members, and his clients. Yeah. So, so that's what I mean when I say uniquely qualified. Like, he's not just a guy who headline reads. He's done it. Yeah. Well, I don't want to waste any more time. We've got him waiting. We'll have him on the phone when we come back from the break. This is Resource. Mm-hmm. 
And we're back, folks. As promised, we are joined today by a very special guest, Mr. Joe Lo Cicero with 54 Realty out of Tampa, Florida. Just a little bit about Joe and his resume. Joe and 54 did 305 transactions last year for roughly $75 million in volume. Joe and his wife lead a team of 12 other agents, 14 agents total, including themselves and three full-time staff people. Um, He's been in the business since 2011, and Joe is uniquely qualified to speak to today's topic and, and different revenue verticals that you know, pertain to real estate opportunities, Gabe, if you will, for real estate brokers and team leaders to go out and capitalize on the influence they have within the space, you know, by referring or capturing business in other, uh, in other, you know, revenue streams. Joe, we really appreciate your time today, buddy. Thanks for being on the podcast. Oh, well, thank you, Jay. Uh, you know, it's an honor to, uh, be featured on your podcast and I, I appreciate you having me on it. Dude, I'm I'm really excited about the inf- info that you're going to share because you know you and I are friends offline and part of a couple of mastermind groups and um, you know we talk often about you know not just being real estate practitioners but being business people and you know I know you've got experience I know you ran an all state agency uh, you know for you know property casualty insurance I know you've been involved very um, you know intensely in the mortgage industry you know owning a net branch and operating there so. You know, obviously, those are two verticals, you know, with title probably being another um, and obviously property management, which I'm in, as you're aware, you know, but I guess I'm curious to know um, what what is your favorite, um, you know, favorite vertical, you know, maybe in terms of, you know, profitability, how do you rank those those obvious ones? And are there any others that I'm missing? Um, I I, I guess to. As far as which ones are my favorite for profitability, obviously in a good market, which we're now, you know, experiencing, I think mortgage and title are going to be your most profitable verticals, Um, but they are directly correlated to the real estate market. So obviously if we're in a down market, you know, those business verticals aren't going to have the profitability that, you know, you're experiencing in a good market. The sure. one vertical that I'm looking to expand into now is insurance. Okay. And it's primarily because it's, I can feed it and, and I know how to, you know, from what we've learned in real estate, expand that business and grow, but it's also not directly correlated with the real estate market. Meaning if, if we were to experience a down, down market, it's a means for me to, generate revenue because people tend to over-insure in a a recession or a down market. Absolutely. Well, you know, it's interesting that you say that, and I can certainly appreciate the sentiment. You know, as you know, I'm in property management, and when houses stop selling, people, you know, people that aren't buying, they rent. So, you know, that's something I always use or refer to as my my safety net. So when homes aren't selling, they're renting – um, when homes aren't selling and people need to move, they, they lease out their home. So insurance is the same way. Like there is residual income there and I can, uh, I can certainly see where you're coming from. So why don't you explain a little bit how someone generates revenue from the insurance business, from the premiums paid by a customer? Yeah, absolutely. So insurance is unique where it's not like title, real estate or mortgage, where it's the you know, the big rip or, or whatever you want to call it, you where you're getting that 
upfront commission and it, it's paid once. So insurance is going to be more of a residual. It's going to take, you know, two or three years before you even start to see a profit. So it's going to take some time to invest in. But the thing is you can kind of build up and gain momentum. And then once you have your book of business, it's something that, you know, you can maintain and be a, a source of revenue for you and, and uh, uh, from a business perspective, whatever it is that you're trying to, to do. So sure. uh, um, kind of what I mean by that is when you're selling insurance, obviously it's going to be residual. You're not making that, you know, upfront rip. You're not making that upfront money like you're doing on insurance title and real estate. So it's hard to generate the revenue um, right off the bat. However, if you continue to grow with it, then you're going to have that momentum and something to build with where you can generate a stream of income that's going to last a lifetime as long as you continue to produce and, you know, add to the book or at least replace the policies that you might or might not lose. Right. So, so when you sell a policy, there's a, what, a small upfront commission, right? Typically, Um, typically, yeah, typically 10%. So 10% of the upfront premium paid, uh, to the, to the agency or whatever. And then, but as the premiums are paid in perpetuity, there's a very small percentage that gets paid out by the insurance company to the agent as well, right? So, so basically, you're kind of you're you're hunting and you're farming at the same time. Is that absolutely a fair characterization? So, so absolutely. when you start adding those little bitty pieces, those little bitty percentages on every renewal, so to speak, or every monthly premium paid. Little bitty, little bitty chunks end up being one big chunk, right? And as long as the servicing is right, then the consumer continues to renew, right? I'm sure there's some attrition, but you by and large keep it. So you're you're, you're planting seeds, and then later on, as your book of business grows, you can build something really substantial, right? Absolutely, and, and then also to compound that, you have the opportunity to bundle the insurance. So. Not only are you looking at it from a homeowner's or flood perspective, but you also have the auto or, you know, any type of umbrella policy that they might need, boat, you know, ATV, whatever it is that they're needing. You have the opportunity to sell that and and, and capture that revenue stream as well as um, insurance for your consumer as well. Well, I mean, and, and I suppose even if you if you wanted to go there, there may be some licensing requirements, but you you obviously could sell them insurance for all of their homes and obviously get referrals from them to other people to insure. But, you know, if you wanted to, you could get licensed to sell life insurance or, you know, whatever. I mean, those are, those are cross sale opportunities, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. And, and I'm only speaking on Florida and I don't know how it is in all the other States. Sure. But in, in Florida, the 220 license of the property casualty, the 215 um, license is going to be your life health and, and annuity. And I'm licensed in both, um, had to get licensed in both when I was with Allstate. Now, I didn't dabble too much in the life um, annuity or the health insurance, um, I, I guess, uh, business um, aspect of the uh, industry. However, I did have the capability to selling it if I wanted to. And a lot of these agencies are going to be licensed in both where they can cross-sell and, and sell multiple policies. So they can do, you know, the life insurance, they can do annuities, they can do the health insurance, financial planning, whatever it is that you're doing. However, they'll typically bring in different specialists because property and casualty is going to kind of be 
you know, one aspect of the business and then the life insurance is like another. And it's, it's tough to kind of keep abreast with the market for, for both. So the, the company as a whole can sell both. However, you typically want to have two specialized individuals, one handling the property and casualty and the other one handling the uh, life health uh, annuity and uh, whatever might fall into the gamut. Absolutely. So I'm glad you brought that up. The licensure is, is a big thing here. So, you know, we talked about, you know, maybe the, 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 you know, vertical du jour of, you know, profitability, but you know, there's other things that go into that. There's liability, there's, you know, startup costs, there's, you know, operational concerns, you know, we're all business people, right. And we know how to run, you know, presumably we know how to run real estate companies, but, um, every industry is different. So, let me ask you this, Joe. So, so it sounds to me like you're of the opinion, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that the residual income of the insurance vertical, p- property and casualty, is very attractive. Um, but in a good market, title and and mortgage might be more profitable up front. Um, but obviously, you have the concern of what happens when the market turns. Which of the three, which of those three would you say are, you know, require the most startup cost, require, which one of them come with the most liability? And, and speak a little bit to that kind of the more defensive side. Like if we're thinking offensively about revenue, that's one way to formulate an opinion. But what, what defensively would you consider with respect to startup costs and, and ultimately liability from operation standpoint? As far as liability, and once again, I'm, I'm speaking to my state, which is Florida, sure. and, and it all depends which route you go. So, you know, if, if you're looking to, you know, get with a bank charter or create correspondent lines when you're talking about mortgage, that's going to require a lot more, um, you know, hoops you got to jump through for regulation in addition to your initial financial investment. If you just went with the wholesale brokerage, where you're just brokeraging out loan, brokering out loans, then it's not going to require that much, um, and you're not going to have as much liability. But you don't get the benefit of the correspondent lines and the more favorable pricing. Uh, the insurance, to speak a little bit on that, you know, is probably the path of least resistance. Um, I know a lot of states are attorney states. Um, in Florida, we're not, so you don't have to have an attorney actually facilitate the closing. I know there's other states where you might actually have two different title companies, two different attorneys, you know, facilitate the closing. Um, that's probably the, I guess, business vertical, I would say, that is going to be the least startup cost if you can find the right partner um, and be able to generate revenue right off the bat. Um, when I was pricing out options to create a JVP, you know, we kind of came to the understanding that for it to make sense, you know, we're going to need to do at least, I, I have to have the influence for my team to send at least 10 deals a month to this title vertical for it to be favorable and make sense where um, it's working for both parties and, and I'm able to, you know, generate the revenue I'm, I'm, I'm looking to achieve. And then it's also offsetting the costs that they're, you know, um, investing up front. As far as the insurance, that's probably the one that's going to be, you know, going to be more of the nurture business, I guess to say, Jay, where it's going to take the most time. You're, you're probably investing money, you know, one, two, three years out the gate. You're not even seeing it. You're not drawing any income. You're not seeing any type of return. 
However, in years four or five, that vertical is going to be much more profitable than the insurance entire. Well, Joe, I want to, I want to zoom out a little bit and I'm glad you mentioned profitability because you know, it's something that we talk a lot about on the show is, is adding more value. And recently a, a lot we've talked about adding more value as a brokerage, but at the end of the day, these things have to be profitable, right? They have to lead to making more money. So I mean, when you're doing all of these things, how important is your brand when, when you're trying to make sure that this stuff is profitable? We've talked a lot about brand engagement lately. When you're trying to do all this stuff under one roof and make people recognize that you offer all these different services, how important is brand building and what kind of things would you say are important to do to make sure that you get off on the right foot? As far as brand building, I think that's the most important. Um, that's probably why I haven't you know, explored these business verticals earlier, I guess. Um, I was more in tune with making sure that I had the right partners with to facilitate the, the business of my consumers, whether it be mortgage, title, or insurance. And when, you know, having influence from real estate team, brokerage, agent, whatever it might be, you're kind of the the point of contact to facilitate, you know, all these other businesses. So you're, you know, you're typically, you know, referring them to insurance, you're referring them to mortgage, you're referring them to title and, and kind of giving them your inner network on people that you have worked with in the past that are going to give great service at a, at a reasonable cost to the consumer where they have a great experience and, and the brand is going to be the most important thing. So that's always one thing that I have the most weight on. If I'm ever feeling like, you know, and I'm sure you, Jay, you've been approached by a ton of mortgage or a ton of uh, title companies in the past where, you know, they're looking to do some kind of MSA agreement and earn your business. However, they might not be the, the best fit for your consumer. So at the, it might be the most, profitable, you know, way to go for you where they're going to contribute to your marketing costs or offset that or whatever it might be. However, they're not able to to close the loans or or they're not able to give the type of service that your clientele is used to getting from your brokerage itself, which you have control over. So the brand is going to be the most important thing. And if if ever there's a a chance where it's going to offset the brand or diminish that or tarnish that in any way, then I wouldn't look into doing the business vertical. Um, I rather align with partners who are in tune with my beliefs and the values of the company that I'm running. However, I do feel that if you start small and you know you don't go all three verticals or four verticals, whatever you're looking doing out the gate, that you can have the same influence to that business as you do to your brand and instill the same values. Well, you mentioned not doing it sooner, too. I mean, is, is this something where you have to be at a, a certain size before you can pull it off? Is I mean, are these business verticals reserved for like the top dog in each market with the big market share? Or can somebody that's trying to establish themselves and kind of break out, can they pull off doing it and be profitable? Well, it all depends. I mean, I, I know like when I was talking before, you know, when we're talking about title. For it to make sense for me and my title partner, we're looking at 10 deals a month minimum. Right. Um, on the mortgage on, on the mortgage side, you're probably right around that. Um, insurance, you know, it's going to be different because there's just so many different products that you can cross sell. And the one great thing about real estate, it's it's one of the most competitive uh, industries to market in. So kind of once, once you figured out how to navigate and maneuver through real estate, you kind of have the blueprint to instill in these other industries or, or other verticals. Um, yes, you do need a certain level of influence. However, Depending, I guess, 
gave which route you were going if you were going to invest money in and grow that business and it wasn't going to be solely fed on your real estate team or brokerage, then you might want to, you know, jump in that business vertical. Well, obviously, Joe, you know, there are people out there that own mortgage companies, insurance companies, title companies that aren't in real estate sales. So obviously there's market share to be had, businesses to be grown, profitable businesses to be run by people that are not influential in real estate transactions, right? But the reason that we can sit here and have this conversation is, and we've we've quoted this statistic before, probably need to update it. I think this is like a 2015 statistic. 27% of national GDP is in some way connected to the sale of residential real estate. Okay, Joe, you've probably heard that same statistic quoted on the stage the same time I heard it. But, you know, I've, I've been very vocal about, you know, Say and it's it's also a big reason why we're having this discussion today. Um, I've been very vocal vocal about saying that my brokerage is not the most profitable business in my arsenal, right? In in my operation, my brokerage is the hub, right? With the spokes, and that's what we're talking about. Verticals are spokes of a wheel, right? And if you if you think figuratively about this, you know each spoke represents a revenue opportunity that stems from the real estate transaction, yeah. right, Gabe? So, so you know, we may or may not have the biggest market share here, but I think what Joe's saying is you have to explore startup cost, operational cost, and influence, okay, um, and come up with a with a strategy that allows you to operate these verticals profitably. Because as you said before, Gabe, there's no point in having a business that's not profitable sure. unless it generates other opportunities. Yeah. Um, so, you know, Joe, I think is professing a strategy that, and Joe, I, I think you'll agree with me. You're not, you're not saying, Hey, let's go out and open three companies tomorrow. Right. And do them all right. and do them all, po- all poorly. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's, I think, um, Joe would probably advocate most strongly for insurance. Am I hearing that right, Joe? I mean, th- that's just me, but, but it's not the, the path of least resistance. You know, yeah. the one, like if you're talking about the ROI and profitability, like you talked about out the gate, yeah. you know, mortgage and title are probably going to be the verticals where you're going to be able to get a profit, you know, earlier um, in the game than if you were the insurance because you're not right. generating revenue until later on. So, so let's talk about the, the, the vertical that we haven't discussed for brokers, right? which is selling real estate. Okay. So if, if you're running, actually a, if, practicing, yeah, if you're running an, a, a not very profitable brokerage, how about you sell a few houses? That's a good idea. Okay. Take advantage of a Absolutely. good market selling houses with, with, you know, working within your own industry before you get into another one. Okay. So number one, and everybody that listens to this podcast, no, I make my money selling. I make my money running a team as does Joe, Right. Running a seventy-five million dollar, three hundred transaction a year team is profitable. Yeah, that's okay? vertical number one. So, so that, that that's that's business number one. That is that is Joe's hub, right? So when Joe's, you know, looking for another vertical, I think probably why he and I would agree that insurance is a good opportunity. And I've already taken a step in that direction with property management. Is Joe's primary income is transactional in nature and tied to the market? Okay. Yeah. So it's enticing for him, he and I, to say, what's going to happen when the market slows down? I go, right. I went and got property management. Right. Which means when houses don't sell, they rent and I make revenue there. Yep. Joe's talking about selling insurance 
and and hitting singles rather than home runs, right? But once he once he solidifies his single hitting machine, right? That he's going to progressively just make, you know, money, you know, revenue month after month after month after month in good and bad markets, then he may say, you know what? Title and and mortgage look pretty attractive. Joe, would you say that sounds sounds about accurate? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean that's 100% um, exactly how I feel. And, you know, the mortgage and title of verticals are something that one day, you know, I'd like to explore and get into. However, it's just not at the top of the list because of that fact. Um, you know, w- with the MSA agreements and, and talking to some of my apps with the CFTB and the regulations, you know, they are starting to prefer the joint ventures, you know, Correct. the joint ventures where you're kind of partnering with a mortgage or a title company. And then it's, you know, revenue sharing of the profitability of the company. The only sticking point to that, Jay, when, you know, especially when you're talking about the mortgage and and, and title verticals and uh, running a real estate brokerage or team and how it directly correlates with you is they're not going to want to see um, shifts or change in the profitability or shares of the corporation. That's going to be a huge red flag. Meaning let's say Jay, me and you and three other team leaders, say, hey, let's team up. Let's start a, a mortgage company. We're going to get a net branch. We're going to create um, a company name, and we're going to go for the full eagle. It's going to take a million dollars in startup capital. I'm going to throw a hundred grand. You're going to throw a hundred grand in, and we got three other team leaders throwing a hundred grand. And then the mortgage company, as our joint venture, is going to throw the other half a million because it takes a million to get the full eagle where you can you know, lend on the FHA. Sure. Well, the problem with the C- the CFTB is going to fall into where if, hey, I'm giving this company we created, you know, 60% of its source of, of business, you're giving it 30% and the other three partners are giving it 10%. Well, me and you are going to be like, hey, you know, guys, why don't you have the influence to, you know, feed this mortgage company that, that we started up and that we're trying to grow? And we're going to feel that, all right, we deserve a, a, a bigger stake in the company, but we can't shift can't the, change it, yeah. the shares of ownership. No, and that, that those are all great points, Joe. And, you know, I think it goes without saying, but but I'll say it for our listeners, that this all sounds probably way easier than it is. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, I've got influence. It doesn't sound my, very easy. <laughs> my clients will go get insurance and with who I tell them to, and my clients will get a mortgage where I tell them to. But, you know... Consumer protection is a big part of this discussion. You know, the the you mentioned the CFPB, you know, they're they're watching out for the consumer as they should be. Okay. And you're Absolutely. right, they they are they are um starting, it seems, to prefer an actual business generated by stakeholders that do benefit to a marketing service agreement. And that's just because marketing service agreements are were a sham. It was a way to pay or induce business. Okay. So, so, so when you have a real business, look, let's judge you on the merits of your business and the service that you provide. Like, we're not going to tell you like Warren Buffett. Okay. Owns a real estate company that owns a mortgage company that owns an insurance company that owns a title company, right? Like home services of America, you know, Berkshire Hathaway home services, you know, these are brands that provide a litany of services to the end consumer, right? And they're all held under one ownership group. So there is a way to do it and do it right, okay? And, and you know, our savvy brokers 
and agents and team leaders out there that want to get into this field, you just have to, you have to, you know, do your homework. You have to understand the regulations in your state of Florida or your state of Kentucky or your state of Delaware or your state of California and understand, you know, the federal regulations on top of your state regulations. But, um, you know, in the end, you have to provide a valuable service to your consumer or they won't consume your product. Joe, I mean, that I'm not missing anything there, right? No, no, I mean, I mean, you're right on point, Jay. I mean, you got to, you know, deliver the same value and um, bring to the market the same, you know, competitive nature that you have in the real estate industry with any vertical that you're looking to invest in or introduce to the market, meaning, you know, I, I know you, Jay, and we've, we've talked several times and, and obviously we're involved in several mastermind groups, but I, I, I know you as a real estate broker bringing, uh, you know, you live, sleep, eat, breathe value. So you're bringing value to your marketplace. You're bringing value to your agents and you have to have that same mental state when you're bringing these verticals. So it's not just a money grab where, Hey, I know, I my real estate brokerage or my real estate team can close this many mortgage mortgages. So I'm going to open up a mortgage company because I can make this much more money. No, you still have to have those same beliefs when opening these verticals and still deliver that same amount of value to the marketplace. Well, Joe, I'm glad that you brought this back full circle to talking about adding value because that's all we've been talking about in regards to brokerages for the last few weeks. Uh, but before we let you go, I want to I want to get your take on this because it's been a while since I've been able to drop doomsday rhetoric on the show, which is one of my favorite things to do. Uh, I want to know, in your opinion, as somebody that produces at a high level and is investing in brokerage verticals like we talked about today, do you think that the brokerage of the future is going to have to do these things to keep up and provide enough value to people keep people interested as more virtual brokerages emerge? Uh, or is this something that you could just dabble in if you feel like it is this something that's going to be a necessity 10 years down the road for the brokerage all right well, i'm going to start off this with a precursor this is you know i'm just one person this is my opinion and and usually sure. i kind of go rogue and don't mention mine. any company <laughs> names i don't want to get sued <laughs> <laughs> yeah my yeah uh what i believe might not be the norm or what what you know gin pops uh buying into but i think it will be for the way it's going now, you know, real estate brokerage and how short the margins are, it's a great, great way to, you know, gain profitability and, you know, sustain a business without having to leverage or compromise. I think to the brokerage, meaning you're, you're giving lower splits and, and you're not having that agent uh, recruiting or retention and development, whatever it might be. So I, I think it's something that a lot of brokerages will start to segue into. However, I don't think it's a necessity. I still think a broker who is committed to bringing value to the marketplace will always have a place in this market because a lot of brokers or team leaders just aren't committed to that. I mean, it's all about the bottom line, unfortunately. And, and, and it, it's just, you know, what they see makes the most sense for them and how you know, quick, they can disrupt the market and, and, and pull a profit or whatever it might be. So I do think brokerages can operate in the capacity where they're only broker owners or only team leaders, as long as they're committed to constantly bringing value in the marketplace. You know, I, I'm a strong believer in bricks and sticks. I think you have to have the office, you have to have the meetings, you have to have the accountability, 
You have to have the one-on-ones and, and, and the face-to-face interaction. Um, I, I do see where maybe people can achieve a level of success on a cloud-based platform or whatever it might be. However, that's just not my personal belief. Um, so, you know, we can agree to argue, I guess. Um, but I, I think the broker is going to need these other platforms and pillars to achieve a level of income they're probably designed to get out the gate where when they're opening the brokerage, they can kind of think, all right, you know, I can achieve this level of profitability, but it's just not there as much anymore because of how tight the margins are and how competitive the market is when it comes to commission splits with the agents. Well, Joe, I think you're right on point, buddy. I mean, I, you know, I, I've made some similar points um, in, in previous episodes and, you know, really, you know, the, the, the retraction of brokerage profitability, that the shrinking of margins has been a big topic of discussion here lately on resource. And, uh, you know, I, I welcome certainly dissenting opinions, but um, I don't know that I could have said it any better myself, man. I think we're going to leave it there for today, Joe. You really, really, um, I think, brought a ton of value, speaking of value, to our listeners I think they need to hear this, and if it's going to be a growing trend, uh, hearing from someone like yourself with some experience and someone who's who's kind of walking the walk is very valuable to our listenership. So, uh, Joe, thanks so much. We appreciate your time today, folks. If you want to, uh, oh, my pleasure, Jay. Yeah, if you want to hear more from Joe, reach out to us, and uh, we'll be back here in a moment, just after the break, for some with some parting shots. All right. Well, Jay, I mean, I feel like I learned something. How about you? Oh, absolutely, man. I mean, I tried to say it in the beginning, you know, this, we we try to bring guests that really know how to speak to the issue. Yeah. And I know we've got a lot of experience talking about property management and that sort of thing, because that's what's really investing for us, you know, being a selling broker, you know, like those in and of themselves are verticals. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, But insurance, title, mortgage are the next three you know, likely verticals that a broker should consider. And Joe has, has direct experience with all three of them. And, you know, we don't have, you know, a day and a half to go through each and every detail. And certainly before you go start a business, you have to do diligence. Yeah. But I think Joe did a great job of touching on what's profitable now, what is always going to be profitable if run correctly, and what are the challenges, the regulatory, the offshoots, the liability, all that stuff. And I really think that was valuable for our listeners to hear. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the biggest takeaways, too, is you know, as we talk about these leaders of brokerages that are struggling, maybe not struggling yet, but will in the near future struggle to stay relevant you know, and want to be in the forefront, a lot of times they feel like they're faced with having to make decisions that will detract from the bottom line, things that will cost them money in order to stay relevant, you know, offering better splits or having to have a physical office and these things that they're hesitant to do because it'll cost them money, wherein there's all of these opportunities to not only increase your value, increase your brand engagement, uh, increase your relevancy, but also increase your bottom line. These are things that lead to profit. Well, so let's, let's think about this, Gabe. We, we talk about value a lot, yeah. right? And we, we talk, we've talked recently about brokers not opting for profit over value. Right. Sacrificing value for profit. As if they're mutually exclusive. They're not mutually exclusive, but let's, let, let's speak to the trend. Okay, so the trend affects those that sacrifice value and those that don't alike. Mm-hmm. The trend, so I, I fancy myself a broker that provides a lot of value, but that doesn't mean that the, the industry's not leaning on me. The industry is leaning on me, making my my business less profitable because of the, you know, what other people are are willing to do. Yeah, 
Okay. So for someone like me, if, if, if I am who I say I am, right. And the industry's pushing on me there year over year, I'm getting a 2%, 3%, 4% slide in profitability whilst continuing to offer big value. But I go grab a vertical with high probability, high probability of profit then I may not have to make some of those tough choices. Exactly. You're so, insulating yourself. So I'm insulating myself. I'm, I'm diversifying, if you will. That's a word that right, most there people like with respect to investment, right? Yeah. So when I diversify, diversify my product offering, right, I might not have to cut you know, a piece of value that I – because I'm serving the bottom line. You know, Everybody's running a business here. We, we get up and we leave our families each day to make a profit, to, to make a living. Sure. Okay, but if I'm, if I'm intensely – uh, invested in value, the more ways I can offer it, the better off I'll be. Yep. So that, that that's the point. Absolutely. Well, we want to hear your feedback on this too. If there's some other verticals that maybe if you're someone that leads a brokerage that you've explored, uh, or maybe some that you think we talked about that aren't necessarily feasible, we want to hear from you and get your feedback. So make sure to head over to www.resourcepodcast.net. Uh, where you can also find all of our older episodes with some of our other guests that we've spoken to. And if you're curious about Joe, remember, you can reach out to us and we'll put you in touch. He's happy to answer any questions about this if you're somebody who's thinking about embarking on this journey in the near future. So everybody, thanks again for tuning in. We're going to be back very soon with some more really exciting guests. This is Resource, Real Talk About Real Estate. Thanks, folks.